Welcome to the WCAPS 5 podcast series. WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies, and grow together. Vive. Vision. Impact. Voice. Engagement. Welcome, everyone, to another Vibe podcast by WCAPS, Women of Color for Advancing Peace and Security. My name is Kara Hernandez, and I'm the WCAPS Advisory Board, and I chair the Illicit Trafficking Working Group. I'm really excited today because I'm sitting down with a number of our WCAPS members who are artists or art enthusiasts and want to find different ways to bring communities together. Building off of the work in our art forum, we are launching a new series to look at the influence of art in shaping Black Lives Matter movement across the globe. Starting with Asia, would you mind telling us a few words about yourself and your background? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. My name is Aisha White. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I currently work at Halcyon Arts Lab, which is a residency for socially and civically engaged artists. My background in general is in socially engaged art with a master's degree looking at the intersection of ethics and social practice, specifically how we ethically engage with communities. And I really enjoy working with artists to have a strong interest and impact in general. Hi, everyone. I'm delighted to be here with you guys today. My name is Stacey Williams. I'm a proud uh, WCAPS member. I was a former ballet dancer, actually, for 13 years at the Dance Theater of Harlem, in addition to a couple of other companies. I traveled throughout the world, performed in front of you know, numerous audiences. It was truly a delight. Towards the end of my dance career, I took part in the State Department cultural diplomacy tour to South Asia, which really opened up my eyes about art's importance in our, in our diplomacy and our public diplomacy. And that led me to pursue a master's degree in global politics and security. Following my master's, I uh, worked in the Obama administration at the Commerce Department and then actually produced a global policy and arts conference in the UAE a couple of years ago. Currently a podcast producer, but my favorite thing of the week is always the uh, weekly dance classes that I teach to preteens and teens in the D.C. area. Hi, everyone. I'm Netta. I am the fellow here at WCAPS. I'm here as more of an art enthusiast today. So thank you also for having me. I am an attorney in D.C. and my background is in human rights and security. And so I am excited to hear all of our great artists here today. Thank you. Hey guys, my name is Lara Al-Sudani Weeks and I am the co-founder and art director at Fringe 22 Studio, graphic design and creative strategy studio based in uh, the Midwest. And I have my business partner here, Alfredo. Hi, I'm Alfredo Weeks and I'm co-founder of uh, Fringe 22, design and creative strategy studio. My background primarily in creative strategy as well as fine arts and trying to see how the arts can impact uh, the community for social good. Hi, my name is Bonnie Jenkins, and I am the founder and executive director of Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security, uh, WCAPS. And it's really an honor for me to be here and to talk to all of these amazing people and hear from them. And I think you will also enjoy hearing from them on this issue and on this new series. So thanks, everyone. And thanks, Kara. Oh, thank you. Thank you all. Honestly, it's so exciting to work on this new, this new series with everybody because everybody has such a distinct background, but I think we all can understand the importance of talking about this. 
from our perspective and also a policy perspective. So actually I wanted to ask, you know, Bonnie, if you want to jump in, why is it important to have an art forum and what is the importance of art and policy? Thanks, Kara. It goes back to when I, when I started the organization in 2017 and I was thinking of ways in which we can engage women of color. One of the things that was important to me was ways in which we can approach these issues in different, in different contexts. And I've always enjoyed art and all types of art. But I also recognize that in the policy circles and the corridors in which I've spent so much of my time in my professional career, it's very much not, uh, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a field where there is a lot of visual stimulation. There's a lot of thinking outside the box. It's very straightforward, straight laced. But I also recognize that there is there are stories to be told and there are ways in which to understand things that are visual and, and things you can listen to and enjoy and still understand the importance of issues of peace and security. I also recognize there are amazing artists out there, and particularly people of color, women of color specifically as well, who do who've been doing art for years and art broadly defined in the areas of peace and security, depicting it in their art. And that's an important medium, I think, that needs to be brought to, to the members of WCAPS who are mainly policy people. I wanted to bring in art. I wanted to bring in artists. I want to have a way in which the two fields or areas can integrate more. I've always thought that this was easier for the artists who do art in many ways depicting things that are going on in the world or a world in which they would like it to be. I really felt it more, it would be more for the politicians, <laughs> the policy folks to learn more than I, than I ever thought for the artists. But it's, it's, it's a great way to bring the two together. And we started out by doing these art and policy discussions where we would have an artist and a policy person talking on issues. And, and we also started to highlight on our website, you know, uh, artists who are doing things in the peace and security field. Then we started to visit museums, uh, focus on peace and security and people of color artists. And so now this series that you're starting with our colleagues here is another, uh, another way of approaching this art and policy work. So that's where it started. I'm happy to see that this is happening. And for me, it's always important to bring, the, bring together the artists and the policy people. So thanks. I'd just like to echo everything that Bonnie just said, as in once a dancer, always a dancer, of course. But as a, an artist, I was just so delighted to find out about WCAP's efforts to bridge this large divide between um, the arts and policy. I truly believe that arts has a unique ability to communicate and express ideas that a traditional policy discussion or debate alone just cannot communicate. I think the arts humanizes people and the policies that govern those people. And I think also it, the arts can reveal the, the pulse of the nation. It's citizens, it's kind of like a temperature check reflecting what's going on in any given moment in time, whatever those timely issues are that the artists and citizens are grappling with. And, you know, exposing both the beauty of, of where we are today and also the hypocrisy. I, I'm very, very interested in, in further promoting the value of the arts in policy circles and continuing to bridge that gap. And also just, you know, communicating that the arts shouldn't be relegated 
or artists, I should say, shouldn't just be relegated to discussions of cultural policy. Um, of course, those discussions are very, very important. But um, as Bonnie said, those, you know, we need these creatives in the room as we're crafting policies just to make better policy, I guess is what it comes down to. I'm passionate about bridging the gap between the, the arts and the policy world, further promoting the arts and not uh, allowing, allowing artists and the arts to, to be viewed as totally separate from the policymaking process. And I think that is something that a lot of grassroots organizations really understand. And so hearing everybody speaking, I've worked, you know, with presidents of different countries, but I've also worked with grassroots organizations and really are in design and movement and all of these things I think are so important. And really why I'm really excited to kind of focus on this, which brings me to my next question is, how has art played a part in social movements as a whole? And do you have any reflections on how, it's, how art has played a role in Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I can jump in there. I think there are so many ways that people learn and feel and understand what is going on in the world. And I think art has a huge role in that. As much as I'd like to wish that everyone would just change and understand what is going on, we have so many different types of learners in the world, whether that be visual, audio, or just they like to read and research. Art plays a role in providing many ways to understand a different perspective. And I think that's really what drives social change is like the power to change the hearts and minds, along with like sort of deconstructing these general really thick policies into something that is digestible that the everyday person can sort of understand. So you have the emotions, you have the translation, you have the documentation, the visualization, and sort of sparking these very difficult conversations that often hold dual concepts, dualities of like right and wrong inside themselves. So I think art plays a role in allowing us to sort of dive into these sections. And especially with like Black Lives Matter, I think it plays a role a lot in the emotions, but as like a Black person, it's a lot about continuing that motivation to work towards that. And for me, art plays a role in constantly reminding me what we're working towards. But I think there are many ways that you can go about this, and especially what WCAPS is doing and creating the intersection between the two in a very clear way will definitely help drive a lot of this. Yeah, I'd like to add to that as well. I think within the, the tone of the movement right now, you're seeing so many different different messages, so many different levels of anger, of frustration. And a lot of the times you see throughout the world, people who don't understand the movement are quick to, to criticize. Why are people angry or why are people frustrated? They have no reason to, to be angry or frustrated. Whereas uh, when you start to see the arts out there, the arts, a lot of the time, very hard to debate. You see a mural, you see a statement, you hear a poem or a, a spoken word piece. It's very hard to debate that person's experience because within their own minds, within their own hearts, they know what they've experienced. They feel it. They went through that, went through those uh, trials. And so when you see this movement, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, it's great to, 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 to see artists giving voice to the broader audience. And a lot of the times where you're, you're on these stages of, of interviews or, or you're, you're even talking one-on-one, right, with people who might disagree with you. you, you get a lot of backlash or, you know, it gets argumentative, whereas the art, it stands as a statement. 
a standard of statement to be absorbed and hopefully just hopefully the artist's perspective and point of view is uh, is taken well and i guess that really brings the question to me because you know we are talking about black lives matter movement in the u.s perspective but i was wondering why you think black lives matter has actually received a ton of international support yeah hi everyone this is netta i think you know, the Black Lives Matter movement right now in the United States for a lot of people feels like it's a first moment or an aha moment, sort of like an awakening. And for a lot of people of color, especially the Black community in the United States and globally, it's been an issue that's ongoing for the last 400 years. And, you know, anti-Black sentiments and, and racism generally, it is a structure that has been created throughout centuries from colonialism, from genocide, from war, from so many different international structures. And so as you've seen the protests sort of erupt in the United States, we've also seen the protests erupt in Paris and in Copenhagen and in Barcelona and Switzerland and London. And you see similar themes like the slave the slave owner in London, Edward Colston, who his statue was thrown into the river, you know, like, or excuse me, slave trader. And you see these things that are really transcendent of of themes, global themes throughout the world. And on top of that, it's also interesting to see how it sort of flipped the script. Now you see countries who are showing solidarity like Syria, like in Palestine, like in South Africa, places where racism and bigotry and where colonialism and all of these things have, you know, come at the hands of violence in the last, especially in the last century. And so yeah, it's, you see it now expanding. It, these are global issues. Black Lives Matter is not just a movement. It's not just in the United States. It's a global movement, and it's it's something that is going to transcend now globally. Hi, this is Lotto. I I completely second that to to what Nada just said, and and I feel like there has been a decent discussion, not not big enough as it should be, about racism in the Middle East, especially because that's that's where I'm originally from and and I'm noticing the shift in in certain words that people use to describe people of color and black people and I'm and I'm noticing just uh, different types of gestures that are being that have, that are being shown to people of color and even you know Middle Eastern people, Arab people that are darker are going through the same structural changes and and all of that 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 black people in the United States are going through. So um, you see a lot of influencers that are being put that are pushing this subject matter and that are giving a platform to people of color and Arab people that are, you know, darker skin tone to showcase the work that they do. And it's, you know, I hope that it's not a trend that all of these organizations and, and nonprofits and, and influencers are are taking on in, in the Arab world and, and everywhere outside of the United States. But I, I just really hope that this is something that we can keep on pushing and pursuing and, and coming together and, and keep discussing because that is one topic that is very, very sensitive, specifically in the Arab world to talk about. And, and most of the time we keep on dismissing it. But uh, I, really, I really think that there is there is a place that we can look to in the future that just makes us feel a little bit more positive about the situation. As well, you know, just just with me and and Lala, uh, you know, we're, we're we're business owners as well as uh, husband and wife, and just our existence and our our, our union, it's it's a protest in itself. 
right? It, it, it's it's uh, to the to the broader Arab community even. And when when people see a, a black man married to a out of woman, they're they're like, wait, how did that happen? And so why is there this stigma that it, it's a problem? Why is there an issue? You know, and and hopefully hopefully a lot of people's perspectives and perceptions would would just kind of broaden, you know, and kind of educate themselves on what's going on in the United States so it won't happen in their region. I think that's actually a really powerful sentiment in and of itself. And it really reminds me why it's important to have Black voices and Black leaders really talking about this issue and pushing this issue. And, you know, I do hope it's not a trend. I, you know, worked for the former government of Costa Rica, and they have the first uh, Afro-Latina vice president. And really having her existence and having her come to the United States, meeting with the Black Caucus, meeting with Black organizations, bringing this up, talking about how any of these issues are affecting Black people at a different level is so important. And I think that is something that we are feeling around the world. And I, you know, I'm so, you know, hopeful for what's going to happen because right now things are really bleak. And I know we've, we've all talked about this before and it, and it has been bleak. It's not just, you know, June that has been like this. It's been, you know, centuries like this. So I do think hopefully this is the moment in time. And I guess that brings me to a couple of like aspirational things, like moving forward is, I like to ask everyone on the podcast, what are you looking forward to covering in the series? You know, this is such a diverse topic and there's so many angles and, you know, all of them are really important and I think they really add to each other and they, you know, this kind of like multifaceted approach to art and policy, to policy, to Black Lives Matter, to social movements is going to be really interesting. So looking forward, what are you interested in, in discussing? Yeah, I think what I'm interested in discussing sort of expands on what Alfredo was saying, really giving a voice to artists doing this work, particularly artists of color, because their existence in this field is often seen as like an anomaly, especially in these like larger white museums and institutions that barely have a curator of color and really giving to voice to people doing this work. I'm excited to see and prove like the intersection of these two works of social impact and art, because it's very much happening every day. Artists have been doing this work for a very long time, but it's definitely becoming more and more popular as social issues sort of rise to head. And I think it's a great opportunity for so many people, including myself, who's just excited to talk about all these people that I've been working with for a while. I, I totally agree with Aisha's sentiment. In addition to promoting Black artists, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to promoting some of the historically Black arts institutions, um, like my alma mater of the Dance Institute of Harlem, which was, you know, created by, by our founder, Arthur Mitchell, because he was, you know, because there was no dance company devoted to Black dancers who wished to dance classical ballet. There's an institution that has been at the forefront of the civil rights movement and for the fight for racial justice for many, many years. So I am very excited to get some of, of those dancers and choreographers in here to talk about both the, you know, historical, historical context and also, you know, what we can shed some light on what we can do to further promote them and their organizations. One of the things that when I was in New York speaking with some folks about, and I should mention that WCAPS actually had its own art exhibit in New York last year in October. And there's some photos on the W website. But in the process of doing that, we we met a woman who is from Black Lives Matter, and she was running her artwork 
and uh, would love to get back in touch with her and maybe we could have a discussion with some of the Black Lives Matter artists. They have a, I can get the information, but they had an event and I don't know how often they have the event, but they had an event in New York last year. And it would be great to, if we could have a of them. So that means uh, a little more, it does mean work to get that, to get those folks involved. But as far as future podcasts, that's something I would love to, to, to hear. Yeah, for me, I'm really excited to just see the different angles that we're going to take throughout this. I know that we have a number of artists who are doing like visual art and then performative art and just uh, the different ways that you can express yourself and the different ways that the subject has been covered. I'm really excited to see how different artists have taken this moment and interpreted it and, and sort of brought the movement forward with it. Yes, I'm really interested in in how these talks, these discussions translate into actions and and how we can take these these conversations to influence other other policymakers, uh, politicians and things in ways that can inspire the next generation of artists with regards to funding and and, and other things within the community that, you know, the art community, especially the black art community, desperately, desperately needs. And uh, hopefully, hopefully these discussions uh, transform into, into something that's, that's just so many more people are inspired to, to have these talks and, and how the arts can, can, can transform into, into real action. I also believe that with a podcast like this, with an art form like this, we we will allow ourselves to really look at the, you know, the leadership that is taking place in the art community and who are the ones that are, you know, running these organizations and, you know, who are they hiring and how are they, how are they hiring and hopefully these actions that will prosper from this conversation will help us especially us as French 22 keep pursuing this this idea of inclusivity and diversity moving forward definitely agree I know we all keep on saying agreeing with each other but I you know it's so nice to be in a group full of people who I can learn from and are like you know thinking in the same vein as I am but I really am excited about talking about white supremacy and how colorism really influences our culture through the arts and how that also is translating into these policy realms. And what does that mean for artists? What does that mean for policymakers? You know, there's so many different ways to really look at this, to see who are the people saying what is worth, you know, paying art for, and who are the people worth, you know, hearing their voices from. And I do think, you know, sometimes, you know, a little cynical, we see the same voices over and over again, and how to break tokenism, how to break white supremacy, how to really talk about intersectionality that works for everybody. Because I don't know if, you know, different communities have gotten the hang of it just yet. So I think these conversations would help anybody. You know, it'll help black artists, it can help black policymakers, can help, you know, people of color. You know, I do think this is a conversation that needs to be heard and, you know, different parts of it will really help build this conversation together in a really interesting way. And that kind of brings to the point of how WCAPS is set up. You know, WCAPS audience is largely composed of folks in policymaking roles, institutions, or trying to influence these institutions in some way. 
So what are some policies that they can promote in their work? What are things that people listening to this podcast can then bring and take into action? Yes, I'd really like to touch on that subject because as a as an entrepreneur as well as a, an educator at the Columbus College of Art and Design, in the graphic design and advertising department, I see often where many of my students are coming into the classrooms. They're they're, they're seeing a whole nother a whole nother spectrum of of the educational system where where we're asking them me specifically as a professor in my curriculum, I'm asking them to express themselves in the best way possible without any, any restrictions, without any kind of pullback or anything. And, and you realize that, you know, this is their chance, this is their chance to really do what they love, right? And you, you, you'd expect them to make the work that they really believe in and to create art that's, that's really inspiring. But a lot of times you see them hold, hold back. And I think a lot of this really starts from way before they even graduated high school. You know, you, you, you start to see this, this system within the, within the high schools and, and the middle schools where you know, teachers are telling these students what they feel or what they should feel or what they should talk about. And then it, it, it goes into how much funding are, are some of these art programs gaining? Um, how, how often do some of these art teachers have to pull out of their own pockets to pay for supplies? How many after-school programs do they have for these young and upcoming artists? And so you, you just see this, 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 this journey of, of lack of funding, this, this journey of the system itself telling these students what you need to feel. And, and ultimately, I, I just think, especially in, in low-income communities, those are the ones that are affected the most. So now you get a lot of college students that are coming from more affluent, more affluent backgrounds, and then you start to see the art community to become a community of elitists, which I think that's, that's really the wrong direction to go in. And, and ultimately, I think the more funding we have in these schools towards the arts, you know, the, the, the stronger the community is going to be. I, I hear a lot of things, uh, not, not to keep going on for so long, but I hear a lot of things about defunding the police and, and taking funding from, from here or there because of all the police brutality and everything. But then where's that money going? How is it going to be applied? How is it going to be reinserted into the community, into the system? And I think there really needs to be strong policy as to how, how school funding and education, how strong that funding is, you know? Can communities say, hey, no, this is the funding that I, I deserve and, and that politicians are committing to in order to try to steal some of our youth from negative influences towards something positive, which ultimately uh, I believe the arts, arts really, really do. Yeah, I definitely want to second that. And then also thinking about like the two sides of it, artists continuing their role in amplifying the voices and narratives, like Stacey was saying that earlier about the being humanizing to different voices, but also making space for artists at the table so they can tell these stories on the political level, whether that's in institutions or in policymaking circles. But artists can be a very valuable tool to helping like shape these narratives and policies moving forward. 
I think that is something that you don't really see on panels as much as I would love to see is that having black voices on your panels from, you know, the arts, I think is really important to talk uh, to try to reach out to people who are doing it in a different way, who are being able to communicate in different ways, because that's another important part of art is being able to communicate feelings and emotions, even if you might not necessarily speak the same language. That's, you know, especially true with visual arts and also true with music. And I think that is going to be such an important thing that people can go back into their institutions and do. And obviously another one is to pay your interns. In DC, we, you know, there's such a huge, you know, group of interns that come in every semester and really being able to pay them, you know, a wage will give people an opportunity that might not have it because of, you know, intergenerational wealth. So that's, you know, these are so many things and we'll, Keep on talking about the subject of what we can do to go from art to action. And I think that's going to be a really important conversation. And for those kind of in between right now, who are kind of in between the art, in between the policy world, do you have any tips for women of color who are interested in bridging the gap between art and policy? And if it's okay, you know, can you share some of the struggles you face? Yeah, for me, it's... Um trying to learn to live in both spaces they're very different um, but similar because they both exist in the nonprofit world often but really not being afraid to speak up <laughs> is just something I struggle with for a long time especially because like the art field is definitely like a very white dominated field and I often prefer to like speak up and have voices or let artists in the field that are often from a different I guess narrative than the ones that are typically there and not being afraid to push back against what is seen as the normal in those fields, both of them, I think. Because I think the perspective of being a woman of color is often valued and should be valued and is unique. But yeah, I think just not being afraid to push back and keep going forward, even though it seems hard. I totally agree. And I'd just like to add a note about the importance of mentorship in a situation like this. There you know, we've, we've discussed the importance of bridging this gap between the arts and policy. And so when a young creative or a young policymaker uh, finds someone working at this intersection, someone who's doing work that they're very interested in learning more about, reach out to them. As Aisha said, don't, don't be afraid to speak up. Reach out and, and learn about how they got where they're going and, and offer your time and resources and do whatever you can to keep learning. I also feel that I often exist in both worlds. My, my dance colleagues don't particularly understand what I do now in the policy space. <laughs> and, when I, uh, and as I begin to navigate the policy world, I'm only a few years in, I have found, I've been in many situations where, you know, my, my creative and my dance background is not necessarily welcome. And then you add on that, uh, the fact that I am often a, the only woman of color in the room. So I have, I've been working on having the courage to speak up and to reach out to those who inspire me. One thing about our design studio is that 95% of our clients are women and women of color. And we just found a, a really, this being in this niche space, being one, you know, as a collaborator with these organizations and these small businesses, it just really highlights that the work that women of color do in, you know, so many different kinds of industries is so important. But allowing ourselves to provide them the the tools that they need to 
be able to communicate the work that they do is even more important. So, you know, we, we really try to just the bridging the gap between art and policy and allowing our clients to be able to communicate their mission and their vision to the world in the best way possible is we feel like is, you know, just one of the most empowering ways and one of the most is, is the best way that we can give back to our community. Oh, thank you. Well, everybody, this is such an exciting time. And there's so many things that we've all discussed that, you know, I just want to talk about right now and, 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 you know, put it all on the table. But this is really, you know, how to frame the conversation going forward is how all of these things connect with each other, how what the conversations that we can have in WCAPS. I heard a really great quote the other day that Somebody was saying, you know, institutions need to stay in their lanes, but everybody lanes have widened since the killing of George Floyd and, you know, probably since before then too, but people weren't paying attention as, as much. And I think this is something that is so exciting to start talking about. And I just wanted to open up the, the floor for anybody who had any last minute comments or wanted to share any, any great thoughts or tips for anybody. I guess I'll just jump in really quickly and say, I just want to thank everyone for not only doing this, but sharing your thoughts. I, I think this is a great conversation and, you know, I look forward to future conversations on these topics. I certainly am interested in hearing the connections that have been made. I know some of the ones that you raised, Alfredo, with some of the things to think about, about what artists are dealing with and some of the challenges there. I find very interesting. And then connecting it to policy, I think, is uh, is also really good. So, uh, you know, I like the direction of, of, in addition to everything else that has, has been said, I really like the direction of that and I'm looking forward to including those kind of perspectives as we go forward. Thanks. So thank you all. Uh, I know we have a lot going forward, so please be on the lookout. You will be hearing from everybody on this podcast down the line. Really excited to jump in and start with podcasts and videos and Instagram takeovers. So you can really engage in different ways and in different mediums. I think it's really important to make sure that we try to be inclusive as possible with, with the messaging that we're putting out in different terms so people can, can access it in different ways. So again, I just wanna thank everybody on the call and please be on the lookout for the art form policy. There's a lot of interesting things coming our way. So if you wanna follow us at WCAPS, please join. It's free to join uh, WCAPS.org. I encourage you all to become a member.